Today's episode of the Hot Four podcast is proudly sponsored by Brewbroker, the marketplace for the brewing industry. With over 500 traders already on board, Brewbroker will find your buyers for your spare capacity or the perfect brewery to create, contract or white label a beer. Join today for free at brewbroker.com. That's B-R-E-W-B-R-O-K-E-R.com. Create a supplier profile to fill capacity or sign up as a buyer to start your tender with their easy-to-use platform. This is Nick Law and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Hot Four podcast. I know many of you listening will be able to relate to this um, as brewers or business owners. But on the morning I recorded today's interview with Rick Wormersley from Spotlight Brewing, um, I started work at 4am. I put on a pot of coffee and set off on the day's entrepreneurial adventure. I even Instagrammed it like this is the entrepreneurial life in all its glory. Because <laughs> in my mind, um, being a business owner means that while many other people are stuck behind their desks nine to five, I can go out for a run or I can say be recording a podcast in the pub or make use of my time how I want to spend it. So perhaps you're the lead brewer mashing in at 4am, knowing that come mid-afternoon you'll be on your merry way, sitting in the hot summer sun with a glass of something extraordinary tasty. Um, That's often how it pans out in my mind. The reality was by 2.30pm, my friend Andy, who shares some communal office space with me, looks at me and said, Nick, are you alright? You look like you're flagging. And I was like, I'm on my knees. I've been awake since 3.40 this morning. I started work at 4am. Now, on any other day, I would have been itching to go to the Crow Inn in Sheffield. So for those familiar with the Crow Inn in Sheffield, it's owned by the people that sell the Rutland Arms. So there are some really amazing beers on tap. And I would walk past, it used to be a hotel, a really scummy looking hotel. And I'd walk past it. I was like, oh, they do something with that. And when I found out it was going to be the Crow Inn, I was like, Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. Yes. Um, but there you go. Um, and so any other day, I would have been like, oh, I can't believe it. I get to go to the Crow Inn for the first time. Um, but on a Monday, when you've been awake since 3.40 and you're confronted with the kind of beer choice they have in that pub, they have a dedicated line for like massive imperial stouts um, or silly beers, I think, as they put it. Um, Like in this way, good beer never felt like such a punishment. So um, bless Ricky, turn up with his pint in hand and I'm kind of like, hey, man. I'm really sorry, but I'm so tired. But bless him, you know, he, he did the podcast. Uh, Rick's a great guy for listening to this, Rick. Thanks thanks for doing that and listening to my inane babble. So that's kind of a prerequisite to saying if this podcast has some really inane babble in it, that's why. Um, but also, if you're listening to this and you already run a business or mash in at stupid o'clock in the morning on a regular basis, you know what I'm talking about. But if you're listening to this and you don't know what the entrepreneurial life or the brewery life is really like, you'll soon find out. Okay. And it's great. Don't get me wrong. I love running my own business and working flexible hours and all that. And when I was the brewer um, in a brewery, I loved being the brewer and setting the sort of terms as to when I would brew and all that kind of stuff on my own schedule. But on the flip side, when you've got to bring home the bacon, that's a whole other level of pressure. Like, why, why am I telling you this? Because today I'm interviewing, as I said, my good friend Rick Wormsley from Spotlight Brewing based in Snaith. Now, Spotlight are unlike many other breweries because they're also a social enterprise that work with people who've got learning difficulties, raising awareness one beer at a time which is their strap line which I think is great. Rick also works in a care home and believe you me I'm sure he can identify with everything I've just said um, working two jobs all the time and with a young family as well. 
But it's such a great cause. And when I first met Rick in the Sheffield Tap Top for some business and sales advice, I really liked the vision behind uh, what he was doing with Spotlight. And not only what he's trying to achieve, but the inclusivity and showing that beer and brewing should be enjoyed by everyone. So I wanted to get Rick on the podcast to chat about beers, to chat about what they're doing and what it's like with an associate enterprise. Because when I worked at Sheffield Brewery, we had a guy who we subcontracted through a social enterprise um, to do all cask washing. And, and that was basically his job, just eight hours a week. And it was great having him around um, to do that. So I loved what uh, Rick is doing with Spotlight. Before we dive into today's episode, uh, to let you know, we will be launching a Patreon in a few weeks' time. Um, poop. So for as little as a few beers, you'll have access to exclusive episodes and articles uh, that you won't get on the main podcast. Um, and it'd be great to build more of a community and a collective surrounding the podcast and do some meetups and, and, and that kind of thing and a chance to mingle with the like-minded people. And finally, if you're new to Hot Forward, uh, why not follow us on social media at Hot Forward Beers or subscribe to the podcast. You could even leave us a review and be nice on iTunes or Spotify and visit hotforward.beer and let's see if we can help you hop forward with your branding and marketing and promotions, brewery consultancy or business development. Uh, now, on to today's episode with Rick Wormsley on location in possibly my new favourite pub in Sheffield, talking about running a social enterprise and brewery. Here we are, Rick, in the Crow Inn in Sheffield. Yeah, yes, awesome so, um, place. So what, what, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm on some Abbeydale Heaven, which nice. is a, a cracking beer. Got to go for it in Sheffield. Ca- cask, okay. Cask. Ah, yeah. The way, the way forward. Um, so I've got, I've got an Armistead something. It's, it's very murky. It's very tasty though. But you, there's, there's no way of. If a camera member held that up to read their paper through it, then uh, they'd be severely disappointed. They'd take it back. Yeah. <laughs> now we, um, we met earlier this year, and there's something that makes your brewery Spotlight Brewing quite unique. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got your brewery business set up? Um, so we're, we're all about supporting people with learning disabilities into working life. Um, now, I've been involved with people with learning disabilities for since I was about four years old mm. when my parents decided to open a, a care home. Um, and it was very much a family home, so sort of we all lived in the same house. And, oh, right, wow. Um, yeah, had Christmases together and everything. So. Um, so it's something you've been around your whole life. So I li- literally massively involved in throughout right. my whole life. Uh, after I had, I had no idea from our conversation last time. Oh uh, really? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so li- literally, yeah. Um, so I mean, after college, I went and did other things for a, a few years, but mm. then came back and, and got involved with family business for a while, and uh, really noticed that where we are, there's not much for people with learning disabilities to get involved in, which they don't have to pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started to think about, you know, can I set something up which can get um, guys with learning disabilities involved, um, but we're run it as a social enterprise, so they're not having to pay for it, that the, yep. the little business runs itself. Then, you know, massive fan of home brewing, put the two together and came up with the idea, really. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's when Spotlight Brewing started. Um, we then thought alongside that, we'll try and raise a bit of awareness as well. So we've sort of named all our beers with relation to to learning disabilities and uh, and yeah that's that's where we are a year on wow amazing so you want one year old yeah just just over a year old right, yeah okay. sort of like i mean we we really got going in may last year right properly. so so how's the first you been what what have you learned so far i'm sure you've learned oh. <laughs> <laughs> what haven't i learned <laughs> um so uh, you know there was quite a few setbacks to begin with which i suppose any any business has um you know, issues with equipment. So we bought all our equipment secondhand and there were some issues with that. Yeah. Um, ordered bits to replace that, which never turned up. Um, you know, so quite a few setbacks. But once once we've got sorted, got got everything we needed to go, it's been much, much easier. Right. Um, things have been going really well. Do you know, it amazes me the amount of brewers I talk to who say, like, they've ordered equipment, or particularly like vessels, <laughs> you know, we're yeah. talking about big things as well and it's, it's just not turned up and the, the the engineers have taken the money and run yeah it's uh, cr- crazy exactly the same thing happened to me wow. you know so i'm still still not got it back but uh, 
anyway, we'll uh, leave that for another day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, dig in, dig in. <laughs> Name and shame. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, yeah, it's 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 over. It's over and done with now. So, um, sort of. Luckily, managed to 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 work with somebody. Um, Tom from Lines Brewing really helped me out with some equipment. He he got it to me as quick as he possibly could because right. we was really uh, stuck with cash flow at that mm. point. You know, we put all the investment in to get the brewery running, and then didn't have a didn't have a copper, which is quite an important part of mm. the uh, the brewery. But luckily, he, he managed to get something sorted really quickly for us, and, uh, and it's a cracking bit of kit as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sad tale. Um, that it, I can't tell you how much it happens. Yeah, he's got to um, be careful. Yeah. So, um, what are some of the positives about running a social enterprise and brewery like Spotlight? Um, it's it's really cool um, seeing just in this year the guys that are involved and how how they've come along. Mm. Um, so, you know, every uh, every day there's that there's that real fun aspect of going to work, working with these guys, um, and but also so obviously you're focusing on brewing the best beer we possibly can. Yep. But at the same time, you're also focusing on um, what you can do to help the guys out that are involved uh, and keeping an eye on everything because the guys that we work with are quite they've got quite severe learning disabilities yep. you know they need 24 hour care and things like that mm. so so you're sort of caring at the same time for making sure you know a brewery is not not the safest place to be so you've got to be super on it um, make sure that the guys fully understand what they're doing yep. but on the flip side of that it's important that they understand how to be safe yep. in an environment um, there's no no reason why they can't be safe in the environment, and if after they've worked with me for a few years, they want to go on and get a job somewhere, they'll have love to get used to that environment and what you need to do to stay safe in yeah. that environment. So, so it's challenging, but yeah. it is it, it's really fun working with them and, and seeing that that improvement. Do you kind of feel like having grown up with it and it being such an integral part of your life that in some ways? I don't want to say you're like a duck to water. It's probably because of the the picture of the the birds on the wall in the the puffins on the wall. That's probably why that came to mind. But um, you're probably more a fae with with that kind of environment than maybe somebody who's kind of not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, being involved with with these guys for so long, it you know, and and I've known you know, I've known one of them since I was four years old. Right, right. So um, amazing. So sort of yeah. I, I know him really well. I know the the things that he's really good at, and I know the things that he struggles with. Mm. Um, and that's a trick, really, is is picking the jobs with people with disabilities, finding the jobs which they're good at, because they will always be something that they're extremely good at. Yeah. Um, they might struggle with other things, might not be you know jack of all trades, but there will be something that they're extremely good at, and that's that's what we've done. Um, yeah. You know, we've got we've got Kevin, who's extremely clean. Um, which is just what you need in a brewery. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> you need somebody who can clean up after you, keep keep things uh, super tidy. Um, we've got Neil, who's uh, really practical, so he he can watch you do something once, and then he'll do it perfectly every wow. time after that. So you know, in a in a brewery setting, that's you know, it's perfect help to have around, really. Yeah, totally. So, what are some of the challenges then? I mean, obviously you've alluded to a few of them, but. Yeah, because so, as you say, like you know, it's, brewing is such a thing where you really got to keep your eye on the ball. Yeah, and I know when I do it, like you know, sometimes it can take that kind of conscious competence with certain things. And you've got to really kind of you know be watching several things all at once and, and spinning lots of plates all at the same time, and but then throwing other people into the mix with learning difficulties that's got to be really difficult so what what challenges have you found in a- particular absolutely yeah so um we 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 have to slow things down quite a bit so you know i basically I, i'm the only person apart from the the other guys um with learning disabilities i'm the only other person involved in mm-hmm. in the brewery um so you know some days when when i'm waiting for for the kettle to come up to the boil, you know, it could be washing a few casts and things like that, but that's that's not an option. Um, you've got to just set the day to what you're going to do. Yeah. We have a good brief at the start of every brewing day about, you know, everybody's responsibilities, reminders of, um, you know, what we need to do to be safe and what we can't do. But you've got to be really careful, really slow it down, mm. and literally, say so you've just got to be on the ball throughout because as soon as you take the eye off the beer, you've got to be keeping an eye on the other guys involved just because 
although they've never, never they're very good they, they understand you know not just the safety aspect but sort of the hygiene aspect as well mm. um, you know we've gone through doing sort of like on G, online um, food hygiene training together right. and things like that so sort of and, and they're really good that you know they, they take things in and, and it's fantastic working with them and you know seeing these things that they've learned and you know every day when we when we do the, the pre-brew brief they'll remember everything that we've said before but you've still got to be sort mm. of keeping an eye out for that so how long is your typical brew day then with that in mind um we usually mash in at about nine o'clock and then normally um normally the guys go home at about five o'clock which is right which is when I'll sort of finish off doing some of the cleaning stuff okay. when we're, we're working with the chemicals and that. Yeah. Just so, just, yeah, just so it sort of makes it a little bit safer. That sounds like a nice cut-off point. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. After, when it gets to cleaning, you know, it's, uh, we know, I normally do that at a separate time when we work with caustic and whatnot. Mm. So how have you managed to tailor, then, a, a working environment like a microbrew, which has lots of potential hazards like chemicals and whatnot, to cope with people who are working with you? So we've got um, set areas in the brewery, which are marked off visually. Um, right. So we've got uh, a nice bright chain that, that can come across if I am working with caustic, you know, if I'm right. doing, you know, cleaning a fermenter or whatnot. Um, and then they, they can do the other, other jobs at the other side of the brewery. Um, and we've got um, lots of sort of visual aids on the wall, yeah. um, nice, easy to see signs, things like that, just as reminders uh, throughout the day. Yeah, um, you know, then the guys understand that you know when the kettle's coming up to the boil to stay away just in case there's a boil over, yeah. things like that. And it's all uh, written reminders, but a lot of it is sort of just talking to them, you know, and yeah. constantly thinking things. You got to like I say, you got to take a step back and you got to think. Um, in my mind, what am I thinking to stay safe and just make sure you quickly run through that with the mm. guys that there on the day, um, just as a as a, a quick reminder. But like I say, they're they're, they're brilliant. They're, it doesn't need to be repeated. Yeah. They do it anyway. Yeah. But, stay on the safe side obviously mentioned Has it, it made you hyper aware in all areas of life then in terms of like everything you know yeah. to be sort of constantly switched on to that sort of nth degree all the time uh, def definitely since having my little one right. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but you know it'll, it'll find some way of getting into danger I'm sure yeah amazing <laughs> well not amazing no 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 no, no. terrible um so I mean, why why use beer as a vehicle to spread your message? And like, and and how other than the you know the, the beer names on the pump clips and the descriptions on your website, do you actively raise awareness surrounding these particular issues and learning difficulties? Um, so we're just about to launch some new beer mats with right. uh, with a QR code on. Right. I thought you know if you sat down chilling out having a beer, it's a perfect time to think. You know, there'll be a little description on the back of the beer map what that particular beer is all about. Um, little QR code scan, learn a bit more, mm. maybe even sort of link into some charities and things to learn right. about the charities and see if you want to support them. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think the reason I chose beer was one, you know, big fan myself, uh, but two, it's it's something that you're you, you don't only go out and enjoy socially but you you can enjoy while chilling out and you know just you can let your mind wander onto something else mm. for for a you know half an hour while you're enjoying a beer instead of thinking about work all the time yeah and it's a good time to be able to tap into somebody who wants to just think about something else for a yeah, minute or so totally i mean i think there's a growing awareness around social enterprises and well-being in the workplace and sustainability and, and the like these days in business and, well and in culture I mean wh why do you think that is question <laughs> huge question <laughs> um, well I think I think society is massively changing I think um, with everything everyone's becoming more aware and you know it's, it's massively for the good you know you hear some people moaning about about the change in society but I think that um, I just think that because everyone's much more open about the challenges that they may face, yep. um, that it's made people realise that, oh wait, yeah, they are facing a challenge, you know? Maybe I don't want to say that thing that I think's funny because that's really hard on them. You mm. know, why, why, why do I need to put barriers in the way of somebody who's, who's already got 
plenty of challenges as it is. Mm. Um, and I think that that we finally, we're not getting there, but um, everyone sort of just seems like a little bit more, like you say, just everyone's a bit more aware now, which is great. Yeah. I think the internet's played a massive part in that. Yeah, um, yeah. And I suppose it's one of the good sides to social media. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there is negative social media, but uh, it's definitely one of the, the upsides mm. is that, you know, it, especially for um, sort of physical disabilities as well, on social media that doesn't exist and, you know, people can interact and then gain confidence through that social interaction that they may never have got without social media. So, yeah, I suppose it's a yeah. good side to that. Mm. I mean, for anyone looking to take on an employee with learning difficulties or any any disability, what, what sort of things do they need to consider, particularly if you're in a craft brewery like you are? <laughs> um, I think understanding the the person that you're looking at, mm. um, if there's if there's you know uh, a local uh, guy or girl that's around that that you know um, you know spend a bit of time getting to know them, but also getting to know the people that know them because they may struggle to communicate what they're good at, what their challenges are, mm. but that's really important to know because if you set them jobs or tasks which they're not so you know which isn't in their strong side yeah that that will have a sort of a ne- could possibly have a negative effect on on them yeah if you can find out what they're good at set the tasks around that you'll have such a positive effect upon upon them and their lives and their their well-being their their confidence mm. um it, it'll be great i mean we all know that work is a massive part of of our lives, it's the first one of the first questions you ask someone when you get to know them. Yeah, what, you do, know, you do? What, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, and and you know, so I, I don't know the numbers, but there's so many people out there with learning disabilities that are, you know, whether severe or not so severe, that that don't have, that don't work, and that's a massive part of the identity that that they could gain. You know, that, that they've not got that chance to say. Mm. Whereabouts if if someone just wanted to just you know spend a little bit of time getting to know them think you know in, in your business where would they fit in and supporting them into that the effect that you'll have on their life will be you know it'll be an amazing effect yeah. on their life compared to you know a, a, an hour or so a week that it might take you to just think about what they're what they've got to do mm. we had a guy when i was at Sheffield brewery working with us and you know, he was great <laughs> you know yeah. like i mean he'd make <laughs> lots of cups of tea like you know, and you could always rely on for a cup of tea, but his tea breaks had kind of been quite lengthy. But he'd always get it done, and you 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 could always say to him, "Well, would you mind doing this?" And he'd do it every time without complaining. And that'll and be so much more important to him than not doing anything. Or they'll be, I'll be yeah, stuck yeah. at home, you know, or going going somewhere just for a trip out. Actually, having that meaningful activity is is everything. Yeah, so he, however small it may seem in your mind, just you know, it, it will make a big difference. Mm. You know, yeah. and more abilities that the individuals have, you know, the more stuff they can do. Um, yeah. You know, and the more as uh, you've got to be patient as well while they're while they're with you because you know you might expect to show somebody something and they pick it up straight away and that's it. But you know, instead of it taking a week, it may take three or four months for them to understand what they need to do. Yeah. But as long as you can be patient, it's it's fine. Mm. If for whatever reason, whether it's just not commercially viable anymore to sustain taking somebody on or it's it's, it's not safe perhaps you know you, you might be in over your head or, or whatever it is um, like you, you had to let somebody go with, who had a disability like how, how do you ensure that first and foremost they're alright protected but then you're protected as well because like I say it, it's, it's a minefield isn't it Potentially. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, but I suppose, uh, I suppose it's it's no different to to any any other sort of walk of life with letting somebody go and discrimination in mm. that. As long, uh, you know, God forbid you'd have to do it anyway. But as long as the reason, the, the proper reasoning's there. Um, you shouldn't. I don't think it should be. I don't think it should be a barrier that's that's in the way. Um, I mean, the guys, the guys that I work with, like I say, they're, they're quite. They, they, they do need twenty-four hour care, so um, the, 
they don't get paid. I mean, I don't pay myself, so you know, there's not there's not that finance there mm. uh, yet. Um, they they all do it on a, a voluntary basis, yep. um, but they're not they're not having to pay to be there or anything like that. You know, they take home a, a fair amount of beer well when they've been working. Um, so finance wise, it's it's not a strain on the business, but but like you quite rightly pointed out. Mm. Um, time and effort wise it is quite a massive strain on on you know what we need to be doing when you think oh I could I've got only so many hours in the day I could be focusing on this yeah. but um, I suppose I suppose for me that setting is slightly different as as I set up the whole concept around the idea of supporting people learn disabilities um, I mean I would always recommend even just doing it as a short over a short period of time making sure that they fully understand that it is for so many weeks and if it works out great you could then again take so many weeks as well as long as it's well communicated um, so they maybe understand that it's not something that they're going to be doing forever Um, it's an experience for a bit Um, and then then you've not got their worries if that is something that you are worried about so what's been the highlight of Spotlight so far <laughs> That's, I didn't mean that to rhyme that question <laughs> <laughs> um, good question good question um, I mean I think to start with uh, we, we, we put quite a lot of effort into into getting the right beers so you know we spent um, I think each beer had at least five or six different brews on, on my on the pilot equipment on yep. a, basically my homebrew kit um, some you know sort of like 10 12 different tweaks just to get it right there and then when we finally got to the point of putting the beers out and and how well received they were um mm. that was that was fantastic actually you know for the first time going into a pub which is not your local somewhere miles away and seeing people order a pint and go back and order another pint i think every other brewer will agree yeah, that that's, absolutely. you know that's that's one of the, the best bits of uh, the start of the career anyway um you know, and we, we do get quite often people saying it's one of the quickest sellers that they have, which is always a great compliment. Um, then I suppose uh, the other side is, like I said earlier, you know, seeing how the guys have already come on in the year working with us is a, it's another highlight. Um, you know, during the brew day, they all know what to do and when is great, and it shows us a more understanding of the process and things mm. like that. Is also, it's also good. Amazing. Um, so. Um, it's coming to half time so we'll have to go back to the bar in a minute um, so where do you want to be in 10 years time as, as a brewery as a beer entrepreneur as a philanthropist as a I can never get this word right I've even spelt it out on here as a uh, philan- philan- philanthrop philanthrop phil- I know what you mean yeah philanthropist philanthropist oh mate as I said earlier, just for the benefit of the tape, I've been up since half three. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's a really good idea. To, I'll, you know, I'll start work at four o'clock. I even took a picture on Instagram of my, my Mac, my coffee, my juice. I'm like, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's like, you know, yeah, I have to get up at 4 a.m. and work. And, but the payoff is when I'm going for a run in, in the middle of the day and everyone else is at work, I'm like, I control my time. And right now I'm just like, I'm in bits after a pint. I can't even pronounce a fucking word. Oh, I'm sure everybody listening to this will understand. I'm sure they will. So as a philanthropist, yes, yes, come on. Where do you want to be? Um, well, I do. I think the next step is to, I'd like to open a, a tap room. I think yep. that's a massive part of a, any brewing business. Um, and in doing that, that will open up different sort of roles for, for some different individuals to come in there um, and sort of learn learn what's involved with, yep. you know, front of house, sort of that's, that style of thing. Um, and then, yeah, take that again. I'd, I would love to get to the point where perhaps we've got we're quite well known in the area, um, have a few more bars, but also be known that if people, uh, if individuals with learning disabilities have worked with us, that they've got that experience in working life that other places think, oh, well, why don't I take them on? You know, they've done, you know, so many months working over at Spotlight. Mm. Um, you know, we can maybe sort of work on some training and, and and bits and bobs that will really ready them for for employment and and hopefully that'll 
that can go on their CV that they've worked at Spotlight yeah. and then you know in the local area they will know what, what that involves and, and hopefully it'll sort of be a bit of a pathway for, uh, for, for the, the guys that work with us. Yeah. You alluded to earlier um, about not taking a wage out of Spotlight at the moment. I mean, how, how do you, because you work in the care home and then do Spotlight, so obviously you're quite busy, family and all the rest of it. How do you manage to balance all that? Because there are lots of people in your position that are, it's, you know, it's, it's a real passion project. It's something they they want to do. It's very hard to make a living out of. Like, how, how do you manage all that? Uh, with great difficulty. <laughs> um, it is it is tough. It is extremely tough. And um, you this know, is where the are... point where loads of listeners are kind of expect, expecting expecting <laughs> to load the silver bullet. <laughs> <sighs> but what you do is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose um, I, did, I had a good answer then, but I've, I've lost it now. Ah, <laughs> Moving on, it's gone. It's gone. Um, I suppose. I mean, we're getting to the point now that we're we're breaking even, and there's a bit of money coming into the business. Um, so I've got the horizon. I'm, I'm looking over at the horizon, and the destination is in sight now that I can start to to drop the hours at the the money making job. Yeah. Um, but. I don't. I don't think there is an answer to, uh, to to the question. I mean, I'm lucky enough that I don't need too much sleep. Um, so yeah. Um, so yeah. So there is that, that that sort of destination is is there that you know again to that point I can uh, be doing less hours at the the money making job. Um, so so I've got something to aim for. But before that, it's just yeah, putting in the hours. I think as I take a step back um, now that. I've built up, we've, we've built up Spotlight to a point where about it's starting to get a bit of traction, people are starting to hear about us, that the time invested in the job to earn money can go into more time invested in building Spotlight and I'm hoping that will sort of mm. show in sales and things and it yeah. could be quite a, fingers crossed, a nice think, transition. Think, fingers <laughs> crossed. Well, I mean, I, I love Spotlight. I, I think um, the, the vision for it is amazing. Uh, you know, I, I genuinely do, um, and I, I mean, I love the whole kind of social enterprise idea behind it, and, and, and bringing that together in, in beer. You know, like why, why should it just be for a certain set of people or, or a certain Facebook forum or whatever? You know, um, so yeah, well, well, well done. Thank you very much. So, cheers. Um, so half half time beers. Cheers. Cheers. So what have you got, Bob? I've got uh, the Colonel, one of the Saisons. I can't actually remember the name of what, which it's one it is. It's Dam- what is it? It is the Damson. Damson, um, yeah, Beer de Saison, yeah. There we go, there we go, and it is cracking. It's a lovely colour. It is a, it is a great example of a Saison. Now I've gone for he- Human Meanings, which is cloud water, which is equally nice. I do like their IPAs. Yeah, can't beat them. They are, they are extremely good. Mm. So, um, Obviously, moving on from Spotlight a little bit, just sort of more general questions, just just kind of you know brewer and beer van questions. So I mean, like, where where do you see it as as part of the industry? Where do you see it going? Uh, well, I think we've all seen um, sort of uh, new new brewers opening, getting to the peak. Um, you know, that's that's been shown in the stats and everything, mm. um, which I think, in a way, could be a good thing. Um, you know, it's gonna sort of I think we're all in for a bit more of a tougher time now. You know, there's, there's no <laughs> yes. doubt about that. Which it'll it'll sort of you know it'll, it'll make everybody realise that what they've got to do well to get through that tougher time. Um, you know, it'll sort the men from the boys, as the saying goes. I think that maybe people that have opened up a brewery, which maybe haven't fully got that love. For it when they've done it they've just sort of seen it as a bit of a uh, uh something to do something fun to do for a while and not realize the hard work and then maybe have started to not put in the effort and and sort of reel back on the quality that's they're, they're the people it's going to hit i think it's i think it's important that um small brewers sort of stick stick to the quality um you know we've are we've only been going a year and i've had to um ditch two to um giles um already just because uh, people said that they were all right they said you know yeah you can sell that but that's when you're a growing business and when you're a small business 
it's the first time that people will have had that beer. Everyone's heard it before. Uh, the first time, probably the first time that they've had your beer. And if they get something that's all right, I'll go and have something else next time. That's probably probably the last time that they'll have a beer from yeah, you. Yeah, totally. You know? So you just, for the sake of one or one or two, you know, for whatever, however many liters that you that you brew, uh, it's I think it's important to to always mm. hold that in mind. I think when you come to a pub like this one, I mean, some of you've got like pre- pressure drop on Colonel Siren Garage. You know, it's just like the 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 list of beers in here is like total quality. You know, yeah. and. I think people expect that and they don't know if you're one barrel, five barrel, ten barrel, twenty, whatever. Um, all, all they see for the most part is, is the pump clip or the keg clip or the label or whatever. And people don't have the inside knowledge for the most part outside of the bubble, which most people are outside that craft beer bubble. To, to make him a, a truly informed decision and be forgiving. I think most people aren't forgiving, you know, even people within the kind of craft beer bubble, as it were, especially unforgiving. Um, and so, whereas I think it was an excuse once for, oh, I'm just a local brewery, oh, yeah, I only, I only do it on a one-barrel kit. It's kind of like no one gives a shit anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've got to smash it every time. Absolutely, you know, the amount of breweries out there which have got no... Um, QC sort of procedures in place. There's no quality control that have, don't understand a microscope. Um, that yeah, I, I think you know a, a, a microscope and proper procedures, a proper you know even if it's just you and somebody else, you you and a friend, um, or, or or whoever to actually sit down and go through tasting of each and every beer that you put out um, is it's essential time you know mm. you can't you can't skip that you really cannot skip that anymore because that's yeah you could have done i think in the past i think there's plenty of brewers out there in the past that have, have never never owned a microscope just you know get it in cast get it out the door sort of thing but over the next few years that's something that you just can't do anymore in, in my eyes anyway um, no no, I, so. no I, t- I totally agree um it's you should keep records of the like tastings and not not just like you know <laughs> Rick has tasted this beer on this day and this day and this day but it's like from both yourself and other people you know either within the brewery or whoever um, doing like a sensory analysis after like like uh, one week four weeks eight weeks twelve weeks six months a year um, to see how that and, and keep those like both if you're bottling or canning or they keep them back and try them. I mean, that's what they do at Thornbridge. They yeah. they will literally have it on a warm shelf in a room for a year, and then they will taste it. How does this taste after a year? Because like once that beer has left your door, you got no control over it anymore. Absolutely. And, and it's Absolutely. like it's just it's over to the, the the laps of the gods almost. You know. Yeah, yeah. And especially when we're talking about small pack as well. I think um, I think one thing that smaller brewers have going for them is doing smaller batches of things mm. so I mean what we try and do is um, we will bottle um, maybe you know 100, 100 litres maximum per, per batch yeah. um, and just keep a, a fresh beers going through um, all the time when it comes to small pack instead of brewing a batch to be bottled and then trying to sell that yeah. um, otherwise you know the, that beer could be sat on shelves or even sat in the brewery for a couple of months before it even goes out anywhere whereabouts mm. it's just a constant flow keeping it fresh yeah. I think is is what you need to do I did a beer um, for Emmanuel's when I was at Sheffield Brewery um, it's called Beer Than My Vision it was 3.8% West Coast Session IPA and for the mo- most of the, the hot bill was in dry hopping um, so it, I mean, it had a lot of hops. When you when you saw the cost break down on paper, it's like, man, I kind of like I managed to sneak that one by. Get the directors, you know, there's a lot of citrus, Simcoe and Nelson Sobin in there. So I'm like, that, that's pretty pricey. But people, I mean, people loved it when it first went into cask and particularly into bottle. The aroma was insane. But even within a few weeks, that aroma dissipated. And I remember having like a few cases that set aside just for personal consumption. And the last case I took to a, um, a friend's party 
Um, it's not as wild as it sounds because it was like it was for their son, I think, who's five. <laughs> so you know, it was, he managed it was, the whole case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just, yeah, he did single-handedly. Um, yeah, um, but yeah, it, you know, for the, for the grown-ups and stuff, and um, you know, and people say, "No, it's really nice," but I knew tasting that beer, I'm like, "This is a sh- like a shadow." Yeah, you know, it's it's a mere <laughs> mist of what that beer once was. Yeah, and and you know, like you say, uh, in cask, uh, uh, well, in any package, that's uh, a constant challenge for brewers. Um, I. I, I was speaking to a customer the other day who, for some re- bizarre reason, um, I went to pick, pick up the empties of something that I delivered maybe three months ago, mm. uh, a session IPA, um, and he'd not even tapped it yet. You know, it was past its sell by. It had a good two months on it when I delivered it, which is as much as it as much as you want, absolutely, absolutely maximum of what you want with a, uh, a session IPA. Yet he'd not even bothered tapping it or anything. And you think it, it, it's mortifying because you you spend all that time creating uh, a beer that you you know people hope they're going to drink and enjoy, um, but then hoppy beers they need to be drunk fresh. And when people that run pubs that you know this pub's got a good name for for beer, why didn't they put a, a hoppy beer on sooner rather than later? Mm. You know, and unfortunately it's going to be you know people with small brewers people look at the look at the brewer for that and think oh that's not a very nice pint absolutely again that's that's one of the big challenges when actually it, it was a lovely pint when it was first brewed but um, mm. you know but again coming, that time in cask coming back to the beer I just referenced um, I went into a pub not too far from here and I mean it's not known as being like a kind of like a you know a beer led pub um and I went in and I saw it on the bar and he ordered a pint of it. The landlady didn't recognise me. She poured it and I sat down with my wife and I took a, a drink from it, a sip from it. And I was like, that's like oxidised, that shouldn't taste as does. Anyone going into that bar will think that's, they, they blame the brewer, oh, it's a crap, crap brewery. Look at that beer, it's crap. Such you know, a sinking feeling when, really when is, that happens, it? yeah. I was gutted but. and, you know, I, 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 didn't, I didn't have high hopes for this place, but it's still my brand and logo on the pump clip. Yeah, you know? yeah, and that's, you know, I think, yeah, it's where you've got to be careful um, with, with who you sell to. I mean, I know, uh, uh, my local pub, the lo- localist to to whereabouts I live, um, you know they've asked for for my beers before, but I I don't sell them there because because of that reason. It'd be really easy to drop them off on the way home, pick them up. It'd be easy money, but in the long term, people will be drinking that beer and think if it's not looked at, have you know I've, I've had plenty of pints there which aren't so good, and mm. I don't want my beer to be one of them pints. But I think it takes a lot of guts for a brewer particularly when cash flow is an issue to not succumb to that and think well that they will buy it I will have X amount of pounds in the bank which I need because I broke a hydrometer earlier yeah. and I, I have no money and I need to replace it you know it's, yeah. it's like, it sounds silly but it's stuff like that it is so true and it's so hard yeah. It? yeah absolutely it is and the, it's you know it's easy to look at your, your your sort of bigger breweries and think um, you know that everyone's smashing it and so on. But you know there, there are a lot of small brewers that are brewing good beers or whatever. But just it's just a hard industry to be in. And yeah, I mean when when you look at Cloudwater when they first came back to cask and you know only certain places were able to buy them casks and it's it's for that reason that they're you know even even the big guys with great beer totally appreciate how important that is and uh and as, as we were saying earlier about um you know the challenges that that we face at this and, and how the beer industry is going um it's whereabouts is you, you've got to you've just got to weigh it up you've got to weigh up the positives and, and the negatives is quick cash the answer or yeah. you gotta look or do you want to look at the long term what what would you say to yourself like a year ago or maybe two years ago you know when, when you stood over that homebrew kettle and that work stream is kind of 
wafting through your nostrils and you, you're drinking your Sierra Nevada pale ale dream, dreaming of being the next Ken Grossman like like what, what would you say to yourself apart from don't do it um. <laughs> that's like the, it's kind of like the box a reflex answer for most people say, don't do it don't do it um. <laughs> I think it's it's really sad. It's a really it's a really sad answer this one. But don't trust people. I think I think you know I'm quite maybe quite green. Well, or I was quite green when I first started yeah. and was too too trustworthy to people I didn't know. And and there's so many great people out there that will help you and are awesome. But unfortunately, there's people that that aren't so great. Yeah. And and I think. I think would be a much further on in our journey if I hadn't have been so trustworthy to begin mm. with, which is sad, and I, and I do know that that's that's uh, not the you know the happiest answer to give, but, no, but that probably would you, be the, the the main advice I give to myself a year ago. But you are right, um, and that's I mean that is business. You know, some people you do business with are great people, and they're just genuinely nice people, mindful. Um, they will pay their invoices on time and so on and some people are just twats <laughs> basically <laughs> yeah. and they won't pay on time at all, or at all and are oh, just crap to do business with and obviously if you're in a position to be able to turn business down to think I only want to work with these certain types of people then you're in a good position unfortunately not, not everyone's in that position <laughs> most people aren't in that position but yeah, no, no. I mean, I think I think as an industry in general, we're pretty lucky that, that most people you seem to meet are awesome. But yeah, uh, but yeah you still got to be so careful. Yeah, yeah. And what have you um, made of all these crowdfunding issues and sort of sell-ups and all that stuff? Because that's a big topic on social yeah. media at the minute, isn't it? Um, I, I mean, I think my mind's been totally changed with crowdfunding because. Um, to begin with it was always something that was that I was thinking you know we'll get to a certain stage and we'll think we'll maybe think about that you know I'm not going to I'm never going to say never but but after recent events um, I got the actual I think it's I think recently um, it's actually been the first time the whereabouts in the brewing industry we've seen um, people that have you know people just like you and I that have put money towards a brewery and all of a sudden it's gone under oh, well it's recently been bought hasn't it and the hop stuff. hop stuff that's yeah, yeah. it yeah yeah uh, which which is great news but I think I would struggle now knowing it sort of brings it to light and thinking oh, I've got all these people's money I think I'd I'd get a bit stressed I mean all, all our growth has been organically anyway mm. um, and I'm that sort of person that I think if I did have massive loans to pay I will be stressing myself out. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I, I wouldn't work as well with that pressure on. I think the fact that it's pressure of other people's money as well. I think I would stress, stress out even more. Yeah. So, um, what was the question? I'm going to chip in. So, I think um, I was reflecting on it, particularly with the hop stuff that came up. Um, I think the product-based model of crowdfunding works much better than the equity-based because like something like Kickstarter, you're, you're effectively saying, oh, you know, you're offering an over-inflated price for a t-shirt or an experience of some description because you're tapping into your fans and your followers and your friends who want to support you because they know you and they like you. Oh, we'll get some hats made pin badges, whatever, you know, you can have a, a keg with a customised clip on it, whatever, you know. And I think that kind of thing, is it's like keeping a short account with someone. Yeah. And so yeah. it's kind of like, as long as you deliver those things, which for the most part with those kind of crowdfunding campaigns, people do. Um, but even if they don't, then, and you're friends with X, Y, and Z brewery, then you're kind of like, well, I just want to support them. But I think the minute you throw equity into the mix, particularly when someone's either overinflated the, the valuation or whatever, like, I th and they're not a public limited company, but they're a private limited company, and they're not floating on the stock market, but it, you're almost, but they're kind of treating 
your investment as if they are on the stock market only in like the value you know you, you get a minimal return I think that's when people run into trouble I think I think the big difference is when it's a, a public limited company or you know you've got bigger angel investors coming on board they're investing with the heads you know there's a lot more thought and assessment that goes into an, an investment whereabouts of crowdfunding it's investment from the heart yeah um, absolutely and it's it, it's, it's a big difference you know it's and like you say it's, it's about that about that support about you know supporting your local brewery or supporting your brewery that you love and and that's and like you say the product based way is fantastic I think like you say maybe the the equity one it's it's different I think it's definitely something that you need to have a, a long hard think about and I think many people before have jumped into crowdfunding as a sort of the the answer to, to like any quick, problems the silver bullet isn't exactly, it exactly yeah, yeah it's that quick fix which uh, you know it it can bite I think so mm. yeah it's, it's been quite sad I think um, I think it's a lot of upset and hurt particularly with some certain breweries um, because you know so, some people have sizable amounts to these breweries like fi- 500 quid yeah because yeah. They, they really believe in their vision they like their beers maybe they know them as people and then to, to sell out to to sell up to Molson Coors or whoever in, in this instance you know that, that must be really yeah. a really bitter pill to swallow for a lot of people I can understand why there's that kind of anger but on the flip side I mean I'm quite a measured person so I can see it from both sides on the flip side if I worked for a brewery like Hop Stuff I would be quite thankful that I wasn't going to lose my job and that I would, I would have job security even through a global brewer like Molson Coors um, and that that business will continue. Obviously, a lot of people won't feel that because they're just like, "Well, it's big beer taking over," and so on. And I, mean, I saw James Calder had put a tweet out from Seba, um, and I totally agree with him about you know big breweries buying up small ones, thinking they can just buy brand collateral, and it doesn't work like that with with small businesses. But it's it's a very very complex issue. It's it's an incredibly complex issue. Um, uh, with with the buy ups, you, you you know you like like you said then that it doesn't work like that. But you know the the big breweries are, are getting something out of it. Otherwise, they wouldn't carry on buying up the little breweries. You know, so I think what the big breweries are aiming for is as the the beer market changes and although we've got a you know a, a decline in in smaller breweries at the minute, we've got more people moving into craft beer um, or you know maybe on the the edges of craft beer um, and I think it's them people that the bigger breweries are aiming for by, by, by buying a, a small brewery make some inverted commas craft lager you know it's there instead of losing the drinks of the big beer they're actually start they're, they're gaining drinkers that are people that think they're coming over to the, the craft side but Exactly, what is craft? But uh, I think there's a massive, you know, there's, there's people from, you know, I've got friends from a year ago that would only ever drink Carlin and Carlsberg that are now drinking, you know, your Blue Moon, your, your Malt Smith Lager, and they consider themselves as a drinking craft. And that's that's the market which I think they're aiming mm. for, isn't it? I saw, I saw an article on Good Beer Hunting about watching the hand rather than the cards. I think it was called something like that. And it was talking about how the sort of secret strategy of global beer is to devalue craft beer by buying places like Goose Island because like um, Bud Light for example was seen as a premium beer and a premium product and over time because of breweries like Goose Island and Brooklyn and Sierra Nevada people have gotten on to well it's not a premium product and the value of it has gone down and uh, what um, big corporations have is this um, expense on their profit and loss which is basically brand collateral and they will write off depending on their sales certain amounts of money you know you can lose millions or billions you know based on your brand collateral and so this article made the point that actually what they're doing in buying up your Goose Islands is 
demeaning the value of a Goose Island IPA or Honkers Ale or Urban 361 and bringing the price point down which then brings down the price point for other beers. Yeah, it's dragging the rest and down. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's easy to see because I went into a shop on Thursday, a local craft beer micropub, um, and I bought three cans. It cost me 15 quid. And I came away because obviously, you know, I'm trying to move house. I'm trying to be price conscious. And I came away and they were great beers. They weren't the best beers, but they were, you know, they were, they were, they were good beers. And I was like, they cost, they cost me 15 quid for those three. Yeah. I can go to Tesco and buy, you know, Magic Rock and yeah. this, that and the other and come away with eight beers yeah. for 16 quid. The value of craft has been diminished, you know, through either global beer or supermarkets and so on. And it's, um, I think so, it's a really interesting time for the craft beer industry. Because if you think, if you, if, you, if you put it in any other context, if you think of craft beer like some of the artisan skill, that's not food related, whether it's like somebody runs a, I don't know, they make cards, like art, yeah, artisan, arty craft cards. Yeah. And they have a card shop or they are wood turners or whatever. Um, you would expect to pay more for a, a bowl or an ornament that have been sort of turned on a lathe by a man or a woman somewhere in, in some small workshop than you would go into Dunham Mill or whatever whereas with craft beer it's, it's exactly the same thing but yeah. all of a sudden because you're exposed to it more in places like Tesco or wherever it that value is starting to come down yeah. and I'm personally still happy to come in a place like this and, and pay good money for the, the sort of beers we drink today because they, they're amazing beers and stuff but again for your average consumer of which most people are who won't think well oh that that you know that's been dry hops within an inch of its life and those hops are expensive and therefore that's why it is five pound for a half or whatever you know they're gonna be like, they're gonna be like five pound for a half i'm paying that i think i think you've that you've hit the nail on the head with regards to, to coming to places like this i think there's a, a there's going to be a massive challenge with small pack beers mm. um, uh, because of the likes of Tesco. I mean, I know um, with with cask and keg, you, you've still got the issues like with Weatherspoons and things de devaluing beer. But um, the the challenges that's faced with with small pack, whether it's cans or bottles, um, with you know the likes of being able to get good beer uh, cheap in Tesco. Mm. You know, it's some cracking beer you can get. It's a it's a very hard race to take part in. Uh, and uh, I've I've made that decision at the moment to, to hold back on um, looking to get to get the finance together to get a, a decent canning machine or anything like that because I, I, the, the race that you're taking part in there it's it's going to be interesting to see how it turns out. Mm. Whereas I think there's a lot more people happy to go out and, and enjoy different beers in in good well-run bars. Um, I mean, I know it's tough running a pub and it's tough running a bar, but you know, well-run pubs um, with well-kept beer do shine out. You know, yeah. um, and it's it's a shame when you go somewhere with a, a few pubs and you go to each one of them pubs and there's nowhere that stands out. You know, it's it shows that mm. I'm sure in that place, no matter how small that village is, um, there's room for a well-run beer a pub, which is that puts a bit of emphasis on the beer yep. it can still serve food it can still do other things but if they just put a bit of emphasis on the beer there's plenty of people out there that like um, good beer that's if it's local great um, but if it's good and flavoursome people will go out and search it out yeah absolutely mate it's been great having you on the podcast today um, how, how can people find out more about Spotlight uh, I mean check us out on all the normal social media places um, at Spotlight Brewing I think our tags are um, uh, on on the web on our website spotlightbrewing.co.uk, um, but yeah, please you know get in touch if you're interested. If you want, if you're thinking about um, working with people with learning disabilities, drop me a line. I'd be more than happy to talk through things to think about. Um, and yeah, if you want some of our beer, also please drop Amazing. us a line. <laughs> oh, Rick Wormsley, thank you. Cheers.
Today's episode of the Hot Four podcast was proudly sponsored by Brewbroker, the marketplace for the brewing industry. With over 500 traders already on board, Brewbroker will find your buyers for your spare capacity or the perfect brewery to create, contract or white label a beer. Join today for free at brewbroker.com. That's B-R-E-W-B-R-O-K-E-R.com. Create a supplier profile to fill capacity or sign up as a buyer to start your tender with their easy-to-use platform. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot Four podcast this week. Don't forget, we're here to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. So hit the subscribe button for more insights into the beer industry. Connect with us at hotforward.beer or through our social media channels at hotforwardbeers. Until next time, cheers. Hi,